Welcome back to another exciting episode of Paranormal Stories and Spooky Shiz. I'm your host, Chappie, and let's get started. In response to my listeners, and just as a way of saying thank you to all of you, my podcast is listened to in over 57 countries. And I thought it would make a really cool episode to tell a legend or story or somebody's actual account that happened in that country. So with that being said, let's jump into the first story. All right. As most of our listeners are in the United States, I'm always going over stories in the United States. So I thought I would branch out and do the countries other than the United States. So to begin, I will start with a British story. All right. Hauntedrooms.co. There's an article here on Newsham Park Hospital in Liverpool. The Newsham Park Hospital in Liverpool is the perfect place to visit if you're looking for a good British ghost story. In fact, it's like something straight out of a horror movie plot. The Victorian building was first used as an orphanage, but was converted into a mental hospital. Visit it today and it'll still look like an abandoned hospital, complete with wheelchairs and corridors and bars across the windows. Screams have been heard in the dead of night and nurses reported seeing apparitions and unexplained figures walking through the hospital whilst it was still open. Regular ghost hunting events occur at the hospital today and many visitors report encountering small children during their visit. Now, this is the kicker. There has never, ever been a children's ward, nor any children staying at the hospital, and many suspect these children are spirits simply playing at the hospital, stuck there, who may have died at the site when it was still operating as an orphanage. All right, very cool. For a Canadian horror story from Canada, The Nightmare Nursery. This is not my own story, but one an old roommate of mine relayed to me. Her cousin lived in an old house in Newmarket, Ontario. The layout of the house had the kitchen on the first level, a second level with some bedrooms, and a third level with the nursery and master bedroom. One day, her cousin was in the kitchen washing some dishes while the baby slept upstairs. Suddenly, she heard the baby crying over the baby monitor. She dried her hands and climbed the two flights of stairs to the nursery, and as she got closer, she couldn't hear the baby's cries anymore. When she entered the room, the baby was still sound asleep, with nothing in the room disturbed. The cousin went back downstairs and checked the baby monitor. It was on the right setting. And once she determined it was, she went back to the dishes. As soon as she turned on the tap, the wailing began again on the baby monitor. She slowly began her way up the stairs and once more found the sound of crying stopped the closer she got. And once she entered the room, the baby was still fast asleep. She was starting to feel uneasy about the whole situation as she went back to the kitchen. Once more, she attempted to start to do the dishes. 
when the baby began crying for the third time. She went back up the stairs, but this time, quickly, that feeling of unease growing within her. As she reached the third floor landing and turned around the banister so the nursery was in sight, she saw the door slam. Suddenly, her baby was crying for real this time, horrific sounding wails and shrieks. She ran to the door and tried to get it open, but it appeared to be locked, even though there was no lock on the door. She slammed her shoulder into the door, trying to get it open, desperately calling out her infant's name. She backed away from the door with the intent to kick it in, but before she could raise her foot, the door slowly creaked open on its own. She burst into the room, and the baby was in the corner of his crib, crying, and the light fixture on the ceiling was spinning in circles. She grabbed her baby and ran downstairs and stayed there until her husband got home. What makes this story more disturbing to me is that ever since that day, her baby sleeps with its eyes open. When she took him to the doctor to find out why, he suggested that some children develop this as a defense mechanism after experiencing a, trauma, a traumatic event. It leaves you wondering, what happened in that room? I believe, yes, this is Germany. This is from EuropeDiaries.com, The Morbach Monster. What's a p mythical post without any mention of werewolves or vampires? Well, the town of Wittlich in the Morbach municipality of Germany is associated with one such folklore. According to the story, a soldier running away from the Russian army with some other deserters stopped at Wittlich on his way to Alsace, his home. They wanted to grab some requirements from a farmhouse they spotted, but ended up killing the farmer and his sons on getting caught. The farmer's wife is said to have cursed the soldier, so he would turn into a beast every full moon. Eventually, the news spread of a violent beast, and the folks of Morbach were successful in killing him later. A candle burnt always at the spot where he was buried, as a reminder and a warning. However, one night in 1988, the candle went out, and the officers at the U.S. airbase at Morbach apparently saw a huge wolf-like figure within the perimeter. A chase followed, but the military dogs were not successful in combating the creature. They wanted nothing to do with it. The candle was relit after the incident, and the story was recounted numerous times since. Now, much of what much of it was true, and how much of it was imagined. It might as well have been the imagination of three security officers at the airbase, probably bored or in need of a new story to tell. But some of the officers apparently insisted, even years later, that what they saw was very true. There's even a whole article about the whole scenario, and someone even sent their personal account to be published on a site covering myths and folklore. We hop over to BuzzFeed to read a story on Australia. It said, I live on a cattle property in rural Queen Queensland. On one part of the property, there's this huge bit of virgin scrubland, so thick you get lost in it almost as soon as you enter. I've lived on this place 30 years, and I couldn't draw you a map of that scrub nor tell you about any landmarks that might help you find your way. Anyway, one day the cattle broke into it, 
And usually when that happens, we just call the muster off and wait for them to come back out for water and try again. But on this occasion, we needed the cattle that same day, so we all went into the scrub to find them. After two hours of chasing shadows around the bush and losing track of where everyone else was, I find this thing in the middle of a clearing. It's like a totem or a scarecrow. And someone had built it out of old bits and pieces of fence line, rusted iron posts, and crumbling wood. And they'd also incorporated animal bones. There's a pig skull on top of it, and with a cow's jawbone, and three sets of little kangaroo arms sticking out of it, all wrapped up with rusty barbed wire. My suspicion is my neighbor built it. He's known to be a bit quirky, but usually in a corny, rustic, oh, you just have to listen to what the bush is telling you kind of way. If the bush told him to build that, I don't want to hear it. At any rate, I went off chasing the cattle, and when I told my friends about it, we went back to look for it and weren't able to find it ever again. South Africa. The ghosts of South Africa are a colorful, dramatic, and varied lot. You'll find killers, victims, poltergeists, spooky drivers, battlefield wraiths, and road death spirits. Each one gives you a little insight into South Africa's story. But most of all, they provide a cracking good entertainment. A South African ghost story is always worth telling. So when you ask the folk at the Swartberg Hotel in Prince Albert about their ghosts... They'll tell you about flying vases, characters moving about in old paintings, and the shenanigans of late-night poltergeists in the corridors. Ghosts, you see, are good for business. Many years ago, a man murdered his wife in a riverbed near Buford West. Since then, many people have seen a fast-moving light running up and down the river. They say it's the angry spirit of the dead woman. One driver who drove towards it the story goes, ended up in a lunatic asylum. The most famous country spook is the Uniondale Hitchhiker. On a dark, stormy night in 1968, an Air Force officer and his fiancée crashed in their Volkswagen Beetle just outside of the town in the Kamenasi Mountains. He was badly hurt, and she died instantly. Since then, people traveling the area on rainy nights have picked up a woman hitchhiker who then simply disappears into the darkness again. Then there are the offshore ghosts, in the form of the captain and crew of the Flying Dutchman, cursed to a futile attempt to round the Cape of Good Hope for eternity. Let the haunting begin. All right, Ireland. Some of these countries that are riddled with folklore and haunted occurrences, I really had a hard time narrowing it down. So I basically had to just pick a story and stick with it for that country. So one cool story I found in Ireland is the haunted cottage of Conine County, Fermina. Fermina? Yeah. The site of paranormal activity. The first on our list of the most terrifying ghost stories in Ireland takes place in Fermina. In the area of Conine, near the Fermina Tyrone border sits a isolated abandoned cottage. In 1911, this was the home of the Murphy family, who were apparently victims of poltergeist activity. Miss Murphy was a 
widow, who, along with her children, began to hear mysterious noises at night, knocks on the door, footsteps in the in empty lot, and unexplained creaks and groans. Then other strange occurrences began, such as plates traveling across tables seemingly on their own, and bedclothes moving around in empty beds. Soon, more extreme and frequent paranormal activity began to occur, with pots and pans being thrown violently against the walls and furniture elevated from the ground. A coldness permeated the cottage as mysterious shapes appeared and disappeared through the walls. The house began, became the talk of the area, and neighbors, local clergymen, and local MP visited, becoming shocked witnesses to the strange events. A Catholic priest from nearby Maguire's Bridge performed two exorcisms to absolutely no avail. The haunting continued along with the family's terror. Soon, rumors circulated that the family had somehow brought the demonic activity upon themselves. With no local support and now in fear of their lives, the Murphys emigrated to America in 1913. But the story did not end there, as apparently the poltergeist followed them. Their cottage in Kunin, now a ruin, was never lived in again. Today, visitors say it retains an oppressive atmosphere. Alright, we go to France. We go to Messy Nessie Chick. A haunting compendium of Paris ghost stories by Alice Brace. Paris may be the city of light, but it is filled with dark corners. Some of the best-known ghost stories were inspired by very real, gory history of this otherwise romantic setting. Behind and indeed beneath the picturesque Hosmanian facades lurk countless tragic tales, the protagonists of which are still said to stalk the streets. After all, a city filled with history is a city filled with ghosts. It may be one of the most iconic landmarks in the world, but even the Eiffel Tower has a few skeletons in its closet. After courting for a period of time in the 1920s, a young couple agreed to meet at the top of the tower, but only one of them would ever leave. The two had arrived with very different intentions. He was there to propose, she was there to break up with him. But it was he who spoke first. Down on one knee, he popped the question, and was promptly rejected. The story goes that he pushed her off the ledge, enraged by her response. An alternate an alternative is that she backed away in disgust and fell to her death. Whichever version of events you choose to believe, they end the same grisly way. To this day, tourists claim to hear a nervous giggle followed by an angry voice, ending with a blood-curdling scream, always on the same spot. Alright, the Netherlands. The Ghosts of Amsterdam, Nord Holland. It's not particularly surprising that the spirits of Amsterdam are some of the country's best known. Like London or Paris, the nation's capital tends to attract the most interest from outsiders. Catering to this demand, there's quite a lot written about the haunted spots of Amsterdam. Most infamously, Blodstraat runs from Newmark to nearby Canal. It was here that public executions once took place. Blood from the executions ran down the street into the canal, leading to the name Blodstraat. Alongside those ghosts are some 
from a nearby Franciscan monastery. It was there the 16th blood trials took place. The brutal chapter of Dutch history saw political rebels executed by the Order of King of Spain. Besides the royal palace, which tourists crowd during the day, Dam Square links to this era of Spanish rule. It hosts the souls of victims of the Spanish Inquisition, burned as alleged witches. All right, hopping back into the stories with Norway. The bloody monk who likes to squeeze. Norway's most infamous ghost is nicknamed the Bloody Monk and haunts the Nidaros Cathedral. He's been viewed by many, but there is one particular account that stands out. First published in a local newspaper in 1930, readers learned about Marie Geidich, who in 1924 saw a monk appear during a church service, blood dripping from his robes. Sitting from the pews, she watched aghast as a monk moved towards the priest, placing his hands around his neck and start to tighten. You might think Marie just nodded off after a lengthy sermon, but many other churchgoers claimed to have also seen a pair of hands appear out of thin air. Afterwards, the priest claims to that he felt a sense of desperation settle over him, right before something stuck in his throat. Chanting and organ music are also said to have been heard coming from the cathedral late at night, and many other respectable eyewitnesses claim to have seen this monk, who first act, whose first act is to throttle someone he doesn't like. The United Arab Emirates. This comes from College Times. Dubai residents recount their scariest moments. All right. I love a good horror movie as much as anyone else, but there's a bit of comfort, relative of course, knowing that what's happening on screen is a figment of someone's imagination. Again, relatively. And for the most part, unless they're based on true stories, in which case it makes the flick much more haunting, knowing that fact helps you sleep better at night. But what about true stories that happen to real people? True accounts always tend to leave a more lingering sense of creepiness. And these stories from the people in Dubai will give you plenty of non-filmy scares for Halloween. This happened when I was 15 years old, almost five years back. It had been a regular day, school, meeting with friends and all that, and I was getting ready for bed. After I lay down, I could feel like someone was walking over me. It was a creepy feeling. At first, I thought it was just my legs going numb, like that weird thing that happens when your legs are tired. But it started to hurt, and I could feel something really heavy was walking up towards me, on my body. I could hear strange noises, almost like screams, right next to my ears. I turned to see if there was anything actually around, and there was nothing. I was really scared, but also in my head I kept thinking it was just a nightmare. I actually thought I was dreaming, and that I'd wake up and all this would be a figment of my imagination. Just then, my mother came into the room and said, it's okay, dear. 
You're just having a nightmare. I'll pray for you, and everything will be fine. Suddenly, all the creepy feelings went away, and after a while, I went back to sleep. The next day in the morning, I asked my mom how she knew I was having a nightmare the night before, and why she came in my room. She just looked at me as if I was still dreaming. What do you mean, she asked. So I told her about what happened the previous night, and how she'd come to my bed and told me she'd pray for me. She said, I don't know what you're talking about, because I never came to your room. I was fast asleep. I still don't know if I was dreaming, or whether I really did see my mother that night, but it was much more vivid than a dream, and definitely felt real. It hasn't happened before or since, but it still makes me wonder to this day if I was alone that night. All right. That's the worst real-life event, with the next deadliest being the Aramona Massacre, but I wouldn't classify that as a scary incident. Your best bet would probably be the Mori Myths and Legends. A personal favorite of mine has always been the Hatupatu and the Bird Woman. I would freaking love to see, say... Guillermo del Toro direct a version of that story. Here's the first bit. When Hatu Patu was hunting one day for birds in the forest, he met a woman who was spearing birds for herself. This woman had wings on her arms and claws instead of fingers. Her lips were long and hard and pointed, like a bird's beak. She was using them as a spear. Now the woman speared a bird with her lips, and just at that same moment, Hatupatu threw his spear at the bird, so that the spear stuck in her lips instead. When she saw this, when he saw this, he ran away in terror, but the bird woman soon caught him. With her wings, she could travel much faster than Hatupatu. Then the woman, whose name was Karengai Tuku, took Hatupatu home to her cave and kept him prisoner there. All right, the Philippines. Again, some of these places have a plethora to choose from of scary ghost stories, so I had to just pick one. All right, the white lady at Belette Drive. Quezon City is known as a big, beautiful city in the Philippines. But when Filipinos hear about the city, there's one thing they can never leave their mind. The white lady at Belette Drive. Belette Drive is a road that seems made to order for ghosts. The street wasn't well lit because big trees blocked the lampposts. No light from nearby houses reached the street because of high concrete walls surrounded them. So the street was empty, dark, lonely, and scary. This spooky road is where the white lady resides. People who have encountered the white lady said that she wears a long white dress and long black hair. Some said the white lady tries to hitchhike with people who pass by and suddenly disappears. There are also different stories about the identity of the white lady. According to a person living on the Ballet Drive, the white lady was a college student who sneaked into their home to go with her friends. They got into a car accident and she died. Some also believe that the white lady was a young woman raped by Japanese soldiers. There's also a version that a taxi driver raped the girl, and she continues to find the person who did that to her. Until today, many taxi drivers are still scared to take the Belette Drive at night, fearing that they might encounter the white lady. 
Many people, even famous Filipino celebrities like Maris Rakal, still share their encounters with the white lady until this day. Whether it's true or not, it wouldn't hurt to at least drive there when you go to the Philippines. Who knows? Maybe you'll get the adventure that you're looking for. All right, Denmark. This ghostly relative found on BuzzFeed. While my mom was researching deep in our family history, we found out that we're distantly related to one of the most famous ghosts in Denmark, who's known as the White Lady of Jagsholm Slot. The legend goes that she was a nobleman's daughter who fell in love with a stable boy and got pregnant. For this, her father bricked her up inside the walls of the house, alive, and now she haunts the property. Her full name was Celestine Marion de Bayon, Gildestern. I think that was pretty wild. Peru. The story of Maria Marimacha, Give Me My Heart Back. It was said that Maria Marimacha was a little girl who was sent by her mom one day to buy meat and oil to make some delicious anticuchos shish kebab at home. Anticuchos are like shish kebabs made from cow heart, which is then seasoned with Peruvian ingredients and is accompanied by potatoes, sauces, and corn on the cob. Maria Mary Macha had to go buy the things that her mom told her to get, but for some reason, on her way to the shops, Maria found some little friends in the park who convinced her to play marbles. Maria started to play with the marbles, and she was unlucky as she lost the bet, and it was because of that she decided to carry on betting with the money which her mom gave her, so that she could buy the cow's heart and oil. But once again, Maria lost all the money which her mom had given her. What could she do now? Maria didn't want to go back home empty-handed, so she came up with an interesting idea. Go to the cemetery and find a heart. So Maria went to a cemetery to dig up a coffin, a man who had died recently, and she pulled out the heart to pass it off as a cow's heart that her mom was waiting for. I obviously don't believe this now, but put yourself in the shoes of a five-year-old child with a vivid imagination. What could she do to buy the oil that was missing? Simple, Maria Miramacha found a plastic bottle and urinated in it to make her mom believe it was oil. So the main ingredients, which she had to get for lunch, Maria went home thinking no one would discover her mischievous ways. Eating the delicious anticuchos. Maria got home without any problems and gave her mom the human heart and bottle of urine and didn't notice any difference. So the family ate delicious anticuchos that day, made from the heart of a dead man. However, one of the people at the table wouldn't eat the meal and started to complain that they had a stomach ache. And guess who it was? None other than Maria Mary Macha. That day, Maria lied that she felt bad and she went to her room to relax. Perhaps in that moment, she was regretting her decision. Maybe if she had told the truth about spending the mom money that her mom had given her, she wouldn't have been punished and nothing else would have happened. But as they say, once you've lied, there's no way back. Maria continued to lie. Time to leave the house. The next day, Maria Mary Macha's family decided to go out. Her dad and mom and her sister 
but not her, because she felt ill. They left her alone in her bedroom. If she had wanted to go with them, she would have had to tell the truth, because she didn't dare and continued to fake being ill. Here comes the visitor to reclaim what is his. Maria Marimacho was lying down in her room, thinking that finally everything had turned out how she wanted. So despite losing the game of marbles and not being able to eat that day, no one would discover what she had done. However, this was not the case, as someone would come to reclaim something Maria Marimacha had taken. When Maria was in her house, she heard that someone had come in through the door, and despite the fact that she hadn't seen, she could figure out who it was. It was none other than the dead man whose heart she stole. The dead guy said to her, Maria Mary Macha, give me back my heart. Give me back my heart. What could Maria do in that moment? As I said earlier, there was no one in her house, and it was because of that, Maria quickly decided to hide in her wardrobe in her room. She hid herself behind clothing, thinking that he wouldn't come in. Breathing slowly, so slowly she could, wouldn't reveal herself, trembling, she started to regret what she had done. I'm taking what, what, what is yours, but what is, was once mine. However, Maria's strategy didn't work well. The dead man could easily tell that Maria was hiding in the wardrobe and continued to walk slowly, coming closer and closer until he got to her bedroom. When the dead man entered Maria's bedroom, he continued to say, Maria Mary Macha, give me back my heart. And he was repeating each one of the words in such a way it would make anyone's hair stand up on end, leaving Maria terrified, hiding between the clothing and her wardrobe. Her fate was already sealed. The dead man opened the wardrobe and found Maria. The first thing he did was grab her arm so Maria was trapped in the arms of her future executioner. The dead man grabbed Maria with more and more strength and in a single motion snatched out her heart. Then feeling satisfied with what he managed to get, the dead man decided to return to the cemetery, leaving Maria's body covered in blood in her bedroom. That same night, Maria's family returned home, and when they went into her room, they found her lying on the floor without her heart. Maria's mom screamed a terrible scream in despair, and that's how the horror story from Lima ends. This is one of the stories which exists in my city, and the moral of this horrible story is don't trick your parents. Because if Maria had brought the thing that she had been told to buy, none of this would have happened. India. I was seven years old. It was Durja Puja, and my family decided to go pendal hopping after midnight. At 11.30 p.m., my mom asked me to go downstairs and wait with my dad. When everyone had gathered downstairs, I was missing. They started looking for me, and even the neighbors gathered around. My mom thought I must be in the washroom upstairs and went upstairs to look for me. Instead, she heard my laughter from the attic adjacent to the terrace. She went upstairs and heard me say, Give me the ball, otherwise how will I play? Right then, she saw a ball bounce towards me. She picked me up and rushed downstairs and asked my dad to lock the attic. I have no memory of how I got to the attic or playing with anyone. Many years later, she confessed that she saw me playing with the spirit of my grandfather there. And that was from Rick Benergie. The haunted places in Sweden that will give you chills. This is from The Culture Trip. All right. Borg 
Vatnet the Courage. The tiny village of Borg Vanet in the province of Jamt Land had just 50 residents, and it is said that the highest number of ghosts per capita in the country. It is said that it's Vakarij, which dates from 1876, is Sweden's most haunted spot. It was back in the 1927 that ghosts were first spotted at the Vicarage, and there have been significant number of reported sightings since. The good news is that the ghosts are fairly harmless. If knocking people out of chairs, moving furniture around while people are sleeping, or tossing babies out of windows sounds harmless. Today, the Vicarage is a small bed and breakfast for those brave enough to book a room. Mexico, I chose the Island of Dolls. I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this in my Dolls episode, but I still think it's pretty cool. Nothing can beat the ghost story associated with this place. This isolated island near the canals of Cochimilco, spelled like X-O-C-H-I-M-I-L-C-O, Mexico City, has numerous dolls hung from trees. The tale behind it dictates that Santana Barrera, a resident of the island, had found a corpse of a little girl washed up on the beach. He then hung a doll from the trees to serve as a memorial for the poor girl. He soon began to hearing whispers, which believed to be the girl's voice. In order to appease the spirit of the girl, he started putting more dolls on the trees. Sadly and surprisingly, Santana met the same fate as the girls and drowned in the same place where the girl had drowned. Till his death in 2001, there were numerous dolls on many trees. Visitors and tourists claim to have seen the eyes of the dolls moving and dolls talking. All right, let's take a break. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. All right, welcome back. Now we're going to go over to Ranker and read a story from Russia. The Well to Hell. According to legend, a Russian scientific team was drilling in Serbia when they came across something no one could explain. While drilling a large hole, the machine started to go wild. The scientists felt a surge of extreme heat radiate from the hole. And if they listened carefully, they could hear faint noises coming from within. When they tested the heat at the bottom of their hole, it came back around 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. They lowered their microphones down into their well and heard a sound they would never forget. The sound of human voices crying out in agony. It was the most blood-curdling screams any of them have ever heard, and the group quickly realized they had discovered a well into hell. All right, Italy. Povaglia is a cursed and mysterious island. Indeed, some strange historical events have shaped its reputation as the darkest place of the Venice Lagoon. 
During the first centuries of the last millennium, Poveglia was a thriving and populated island, just as Murano and Torcello. However, with the outbreak of the War of Shiogia in 1378, the fourth and last conflict between Genoa and Venice, its inhabitants were moved to the island of Guideca. From that moment, the island remained desert for 300 years. Since 1645, it was then employed as an outpost to control the transit of ships in the lagoon, with the aim of protecting Venice. However, Poveglia's dark moments date back to more recent years, when, due to the 1700 Black Plague, the island became a lazaretto, an open-air cemetery, where quarantined people, even those with the slightest signs of sickness, were sent to die. Bodies were left on the island streets to decompose. Then they were burnt and their ashes were thrown in mass graves. It is said that more than 160,000 people were there died in agony during the bubonic plague. Even today, strata of bones can be found beneath the surface, which is made up of 60% of human ashes. According to some historical reconstructions, in that period, the island was also the scene of the execution of criminals who were usually killed by drowning. But this is not only this is only not the scariest part of the story. In 1922, the buildings have been reconstructed to host a home for the elderly, as it can be read in even the municipal archives records. Nonetheless, the furniture still present today witnesses that the building was actually an asylum. From the moment one was diagnosed with mental illness and taken to Paveglia, there was no possibility of redemption or rehabilitation. The only aim of the new use of the island was to isolate these people and separate them from society. It is important to remember that in the past, any uncommon way of thinking and behavior different than the socio-cultural norms of the time was considered mental disorders. Anyone could thereby be identified as mentally ill and locked up. According to local legend, the patients of Paveglia's asylum reported that they saw strange shadows, probably belonging to the ghosts of the plague victims, and that they could not sleep at night because of the wails of the suffering spirits. Obviously, the doctors did not believe them. Patients were also subjected to tortures, sometimes to the death. It is believed that a sadist doctor did evil experiments on them, even performing lobotomies, as he believed that this cruel practice was a great way to treat and cure mental illness. The procedure was hideously wicked and painful, as the doctor used hammers, chisels, and drills without anesthesia or any concern for sanitation. Because of these horror practices, the doctor was tormented by ghosts who drove him crazy to the point where he jumped or was thrown from the clock tower that stand, stands out on the lagoon. By the way, the legend tells that he did not die from the fall and that he was choked before by a mysterious fog. In some silent and calm night, you can still hear the bell tolling across the bay, despite being removed years ago.
1969, the structure was permanently shut down and the island abandoned for the second time. Obviously, during the years, the island lured many curious paranormal researchers. In 2016, a group of American guys from Colorado were rescued at night by firefighters who, at their arrival, found them in a state of shock and panicking for having seen and heard paranormal entities. Just at night, indeed, you can hear voices, screams, laments, strange noises, while researchers have recorded odd electromagnetic field within the entire perimeter of the island, despite there being no sources of electricity. Nowadays, without official authorization of the municipality, it is forbidden to step foot on the island, and the offenders will be charged with criminal offenses. Argentina. The most well-known Recoleta Cemetery ghost stories dates back to early 20th century. It is the tragic case of a 19-year-old socialite, Rufina Cambiceres, who died suddenly while preparing to see a show at the Colón Theater. Or the Colón Theater. She was transported to the cemetery by a horse-drawn carriage on a rainy day after her death in 1902. Due to the weather, workers left her casket in the cemetery's chapel to be interred later. The next day, a worker discovered the casket had been moved and the lid was out of place. Suspecting a grave robbing, the family asked the casket to be opened. When the lid was lifted, Rufina still had her jewelry in place, but the inside of the casket had been scratched and Rufina's extremities were bruised. The horrible truth was then revealed. She had been buried alive and tried to scratch her way out of the casket in a panic. She had suffered an attack of catalepsy, which causes a comatose-like state, leading doctors to mistakenly believe she was dead. In fact, she died in the casket of a heart attack due to lack of air and panic. Those who visit Rufina's resting place will see her there is a life-size Art Nouveau statue of a young woman with her hands on the door to her own mausoleum, a family tribute to the girl who died twice. Portugal, hear the cries of despair at Quinta das Cocas. This farm was owned by several families before Francisco Montero turned out to be its owner in 1899. Little is left of the house, but you can still see its structure that remains its of old colonial houses. Montero was an important producer in Seo Tome and Principe. He lived in Angola, Mozambique, and Timor. Montero also was the founder partner of Lisbon Geographical Society. He was the founder of the fields in Santa Magardida, Monte Macaco, Mike. Mayancao in the Seo Tome Islands and Principe, which main exploration was cacao and coffee. Despite his thriving career, Francisco Montero had a dark side. He fell in love with a native woman in Seo Tome, which with whom he had a daughter. Her beauty was so unique that he locked her in a house in the Quinta das Cocas. Was it for jealousy or not wanting her to be seen by others? We don't know, but the woman was imprisoned in a cage. After many years of captivity, she went mad and ended up dying. It is said that one of can still hear her sounds of weeping 
Then they turn into cries of distress. If you're feeling curious and wish to visit this place, you need to know that it is forbidden, because there's a great deal of risk of collapse of the house. So keep your distance. Bahamas. Find the lost city of Atlantis in the Bahamas. Jump on a plane to Nassau, Bahamas, and take a boat to North Bimini to experience something truly eerie and fascinating. Located in the waters just west of the bluff are mysterious, perfectly aligned square stone blocks called the Bimini Road. This orderly row of stones is 15 feet long and believed to have once been part of the road system of the lost continent of Atlantis. Many researchers say that the site's appearance is identical to a harbor construction in the Mediterranean Sea that was also submerged in a similar time period, but in the same period by the same seafaring people. You can scuba dive here and explore this ghostly underwater road. Just be sure not to venture too far or you might not return. All right, Poland. Drowning Marzana. Despite the strong Catholic character of modern Poland, some pagan traditions have endured, and most blithely bizarre and eyebrow-raising is the spring equinox celebration, known as the Drowning of Marzana. Marzana is the Polish incarnation of the old Slavic goddess of winter, plague, and death. And fearing her icy grasp, the best way for superstitious Slavs to protect themselves is to encourage the timely arrival of spring by partaking in an old-fashioned witch witch burning, followed by a drowning, just for good measure. This tradition has since evolved into a Polish children's activity, where they take pride in making their own effigy at home or in school, which they will then beat, stomp on, and burn, with parental supervision, of course, and throw into their local waterway. Slightly disturbing, to say the least. All right, Japan is another one of those that had a plethora to choose from, so I will just pick one. The Secret of the Yamamba. Once upon a time, a Buddhist priest was caught out in a storm, but luckily passed by a lonely hut. A kind old woman invited him inside, welcoming him with food and warm fire. As welcoming as she was, she gave the priest a strange warning. No matter what, do not look in the back room. Unable to overcome his curiosity, the priest failed to heed the old woman's warning. As soon as he stepped out to gather more firewood, the priest peeped through a crack in the door. To his horror, he discovered the room filled with half-eaten corpses. The priest realized that the old woman was a mamba luring unsuspecting travelers into her home only to shred them to pieces for her next meal. He fled from the hut as fast as he could and never looked back. Brazil. Carupira, uh, the forest guardian. Carupira is depicted as a man or a boy with red or orange hair. Sometimes he's a dwarf, but he can also be a giant. Carupira most intriguing feature is his feet. They are turned backwards. By having his feet turned backwards, he always deceives anyone trying to find him or hunt him down. Although Kurupira can be dangerous and can kill people or drive them to madness with the sound he produces, he's a nice guy. He lives in the forest, mainly in the Amazon forest, where he protects it, 
and also its animals against hunters. If a person decides to hunt for pleasure and not for necessity, or if a hunter kills a mother animal with offspring, Kurupira will apply one of these punishments. Make the, arrow, the hunter's arrow fly back at them, killing them. Guide the hunter to an unknown part of the forest and leave them there. Transform the hunter's family into animals to be hunted. This way, they are going to kill all of their family and be left alone. Now, if you are innocently walking in the Brazilian forest and you notice Kurupira around, there are some ways to avoid his tricks and get out of the forest safely. It seems that Kurupira suffers from some kind of obsessive behavior, so you can quickly take some vines and make a lot of knots, then leave the knotted vines around your, around your tracks. Kurupira will find them and try to undo all the knots. Grab some pieces of wood and tie them together, making crosses. Kurupira, again, is going to untie them one by one. Pretty easy, don't you think? Finland. Of all Finland's landmarks, by far the most magnificent, fascinating, and historically important is Olavonlinna, or St. Olaf's Castle in Savonlinna. This lakeside medieval fortress defended Finland from Russian attacks for hundreds of years and now has spellbinding legends and ghost stories attached to it. These are some of the best of the castle stories, both fact and legend. I'm skipping over some of the stories, but there's one that caught my eye. Olavin Lina has a number of creepy stories associated with black rams. One ram was due to be eaten at a St. Olaf's Day feast, but never made it to the table. Instead, it fell off the castle wall and drowned in the stream below. A far more disturbing yet strangely heroic story says that a black ram climbed the castle wall during an attack and started beating its hooves and swinging its horns. The enemy thought that it was the devil and ran away in fear. Singapore. All right, the Heartland Haunting. This comes from the Huntingcombers. Woodlands is known for its haunted HDB building, Block 852, which was once empty for the longest time. Years ago, my cousin moved to the neighborhood and unknowingly stayed near the haunted block. Things so soon took a weird turn. The television would switch on without warning, but the family brushed it off. During the first night of the seventh month, he was sleeping alone in his room when he woke up in the middle of the night after hearing a weird noise. He saw a ghost with extremely long hair and black eyes spinning with the ceiling fan and staring at him. He tried to shout for help, but wasn't able to make a sound. Feeling helpless, he started praying and the ghost finally disappeared when his eyes opened. From then on, the room was left empty until the family moved out. All right, Panama. The Panama creature refers to a carcass photographed near the town of Cerro Azul, Panama, in September 2009. After the animal was discovered and reputedly killed by a group of teenagers, photographs of the corpse were given to Telemetro, a Panamanian television station. The story and pictures circulated, and comparisons to the Montauk monster were made. There were speculations about the identity of the creature, with suggestions including a hairless sloth, an alien species, and a creature new to science. 
a biopsy performed by the National Environmental Authority of Panama on the remains a few days after the creature's discovery concluded that the corpse was in fact a male brown-throated sloth. The odd appearance had been caused by underwater decomposition, which had resulted in his hair loss. Once identified, the corpse was buried. All right, welcome back. Going over to Costa Rica, some of these Central America and Latin America stories have a lot of legends that kind of cross over. So this is one of them. The El Cadijos. The Cadijos is a fantasy animal described as a specter with the shape of a big dog with thick black long hair, red hot eyes, jaguar teeth, and goat feet. The ghost appears at night, dragging its chains in the street. Traditionally, the Cadejos is the companion of drunkards and any who go out late at night. While the description might make this ghost sound like a scary beast, it actually isn't. As the stories go, it never attacks or kills anyone. If the Cadejos shows itself to you, it's probably there to get you to change your life. Some versions of it say it appears specifically to children who don't want to go to bed. Kids might hear the sound of its claws on the street or its breath at the window. They might also hear its chains rattling against the road as it walks. In other versions, originating in Escazu, the Candejos is a young man who drank too much. In some versions, his father cursed him, and in others, God did. For his debauchery. In yet another version, a young man was suffering because of his father's alcoholism. Disguising himself as a black dog, the son surprised his dad as he came home drunk one night. When the father discovered it was his son who had scared him, he cursed him to walk as a dog for eternity. As the legend goes, he goes around scaring any drunk people he finds at night. Taiwan the Shinhai Tunnel. Shinhai Tunnel is one of the oldest tunnels that was built for the development of the Taipei City. It connects one of the nearby rural areas to the Taipei City for faster transportation. It was notorious for accidents due to its poor lighting and steep curves. A taxi driver picked up a young woman on the city side of the Shinhai Tunnel around midnight on a rainy night. She told the driver to take her through the tunnel and that her home is just five minutes away from the other side of the tunnel. The taxi driver turned on his meter and proceeded through the tunnel. The young woman sat in the back seat quietly. She did not respond when the taxi driver tried to strike up a conversation. She was also motionless the entire trip. The driver pulled up to an old house. The young woman apologized to the driver that she had forgotten her purse at work. She asked him to wait outside, and she would go get money from her house. The taxi driver saw her go into the house. He waited and waited until 20 minutes had gone by. He grew impatient and went knocking on the door. An old man answered the door with a 100 new Taiwanese dollar in his hand. The taxi driver was very mad and told the old man how he wasted 20 minutes waiting outside. 
The old man stood there and let the driver finish his rant. The old man said, I am sorry. That was my daughter. She died three years ago in a car accident on the other side of the tunnel. Since the day of the accident, she comes home every night. Columbia. The Tecendama Falls, one of the haunted places in Columbia. We kind of mentioned this in an earlier episode when we talked about the hotel that lit or that was placed by these falls. But I digress. The Tekendama Waterfall is 515 feet high and is formed by the waters of the Bogota River. This natural attraction, first on our list of most haunted places in Colombia, is located approximately 18 miles southwest of Bogota and boasts a trove of paranormal stories dating back to the time times of the Spanish colonization. Some of the most popular stories surround the deaths incurred by indigenous tribes in the region. The Muscas, who used to take prisoners of war to the falls and force them to jump to their deaths. Another side of this story is that their own god figure, Bochica, created the waterfalls. Those who jumped believed they would become eagles and gain freedom from slavery. Paranormal events in the area may are mainly concentrated on the side of the waterfall in a nearby large house at the Refugio del Salto Hotel, which later on became a local restaurant. The scary stories that emerge from that area feature appearances by headless men and the sound of bar fights, not unlike those which would take place in the same room several centuries ago. Furthermore, even locals claim to this day to see a wandering nun who accidentally fell into the waters that flow into what is now known as the Lake of the Dead. Romania. Located in the northwestern Romania, the Hoia Basiu, the Hoi Bachu, is known as the Bermuda Triangle of Romania in that strange disappearances are said to have occurred there. Like a shepherd believed to have disappeared with a flock of 200 sheep and a five-year-old girl who disappeared here only to emerge five years later without having aged. Visitors often report intense feelings of anxiety and the feeling of constantly being watched. The forest website warns, the locals tend to stay away because they fear that if they enter, they will never find their way out. The almost true legend of a lost, cursed Honduran city, Honduras. When Douglas Preston joined an expedition searching for the ancient Ciudad Blanca, he realized that there may be some truth to the warnings not to enter the place. In 2015, writer Douglas Preston was on assignment for National Geographic in Honduras, navigating the deep jungle of La Mosquita with a team using LIDAR, a laser-based mapping technology. They were searching for the legendary Ciudad Blanca, or White City, where indigenous Hondurans were said to have fled from Spanish conquistadors in the 16th century. Preston's new book, The Lost City of the Monkey God, A True Story, 
recounts the expedition, which included a team of scientists, researchers, filmmakers, and soldiers. After traveling through a lawless region filled with risks like jaguars and parasitic diseases, they found no evidence of the White City. Instead, they found were remains of what was likely a much larger, larger, unique civilization near the edge of the Mayan Empire. We spoke with Preston about the trip and the unexpected ways it affected his life. In your pursuit of Ciudad Blanca, you heard legends that anyone who dared enter the city would fall ill and die. Did those stories frighten you? Preston, I'm not really a superstitious person, and I dismissed the legend that the city was cursed. However, after getting out of the area and becoming ill, it made me think maybe the stories were based in reality. The valley is a terrible hot zone of disease, and that fact may have been the source of the legend of the curse. All right, that was from Outside Online. We go now to Guatemala. There's a website called peoplearculture.com. And this Guatemalan ghost story is La Tuana. I strongly suspect it's a variation of the word tattoo. A very powerful witch, La Tatuana, takes a lower rank compared to the others because hers is a story that only happened once. She wasn't a spirit like the others, but a witch, and a very powerful one at that. As it usually happens, there are a few versions of the story. As far as I know, she's exclusive to Antigua, Guatemala. One version says La Tatuana was a slave purchased by an old warlock. She took, he took her in as his apprentice and taught her all kinds of dark ma magic. When he released her, he tattooed a ship on her arm with his fingernail. He told her that the ship was not unlike a protective charm and that it would set her free whenever she was locked away. Some years after she had a misunderstanding with a neighbor who accused her of witchcraft, the accusation was well received, as everyone knew Manuelita La Tatuana was in fact a witch. She was locked away in prison whilst awaiting judgment. Of course, she knew the penalty for witchcraft was death, so she knew she needed to escape. She grabbed a piece of coal and painted a ship on the wall, exactly like the one she had on her arm. She then uttered a few words, got on the ship, and flew away through the bars of her cell as she turned to smoke and eventually disappeared, leaving a strong smell of sulfur behind. She was never seen or heard from again. These are but a few of the rich, varied faces of the dark side of La Antigua, where the tried and true still prevails over passing fads. Bakeries, museums, hotels, restaurants, just to name a few, proudly boast these names, which have both fascinated and terrified Guatemalans forever. I can just hope they continue to give nightmares and live in the minds and hearts of my people for generations to come. Dominican Republic. La Siguapa. <laughs> to my friend Zara, if you're ever listening to this, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing. This mythical creature is one of the most common in Dominican legends. 
the ciguapa is described as a succubus in the human female form with long dark hair and captivating almond-shaped eyes. Her feet face backwards, making her hard to track and even harder to anticipate. Legend has it that she roams the mountains and forests of the Dominican Republic, only coming out at night. She invades the kitchens and villages to steal food and is sometimes considered an omen of death. It is also said that she lures wandering lonely men to their deaths. She attracts them with her chirps and whines and hypnotizes them once they lay eyes on her. Then, taking them back to her lair to devour them whole or trap their souls for eternity. What makes this narrative even more spine-chilling is that there are Dominicans till this day who claim to have seen this demon roaming around in the night. Yes, we have goosebumps too. All right, Slovakia. We go to CNN. And they have a story on the Blood Countess in Slovakia. Tourists on the trail of Elizabeth Bathory. With the ruined centuries-old castle looming up on the hill above, the Slovakian village of Kacchtis would easily take a starring role in, the, in a gothic horror film. However, exactly 400 years ago, on August 21st, the horror was all too real, as the life of the most prolific female mass murderer of all time, a noble woman by the name of Countess Elizabeth Bathory, came to a grim end. It's not an anniversary they're likely to celebrate in Kachtis, where Bathory's reign of terror still haunts locals, but for some, me included, there's a strange fascination. In the lovely Slovakian town of Trincin, my friend Martin and I are joined by two guides, Ivan Kralik and Peter Bastier, who work the local tourism office. They drive us to the town of Kachtis, 30 kilometers away, recounting the story of the Blood Countess. The macabre name comes from her apparent tendency to bathe in the blood of her victims. She said to have believed that the blood of virgin girls would maintain her youthful-looking skin. Bathory's life has been subject of films, books, and online websites, and is thought by some to have influenced Bram Stoker's 1897 novel, Dracula, but seems to have been forgotten west of Vienna. High-born and unaccountable, she was the absolute ruler of a patch of what is now Slovakia, and with the help of three of her servants, sadistically tortured to death between 100 and 650 girls. We'll never know the exact number. Israel. Jerusalem's Ghost Stories Jerusalem is packed full of famous landmarks and sites, and you're sure to have a wonderful time visiting them all while on your gap year. However, one subject that is less thought about is Jerusalem Ghost Stories. For instance, you are sure to visit the area of Mishkanat Shanim, where you will see a replica of the carriage that Sir Moses Montefiore used to ride when he visited. Following Montefiore's death, the carriage changed hands a number of times until it was brought back to Israel by Boris Schatz, the founder of the Bezalel 
Academy of Art and Design. The carriage was renovated and placed in the Windmill Plaza in 1967. In the years that followed, there was numerous reports of ghostly sightings on the Montefiore standing next to his old carriage. However, the carriage was destroyed by fire in 1986, and while it was reconstructed using fragments of the original, there have been no more sightings since then. There are also famous cursed buildings in Jerusalem. The most famous is the Aini House at 111 Agrippa Street. It is widely believed that any business that opens there will fail due to a curse placed around 50 years ago by Rabbi Shalom Sharabi, the head of a Kabbalist house of study. According to the story, Sharabi was angry that the building was so tall and that it blocked out the rising sun. When the contractor working on the building refused to cease construction, he and the building fell victim to a curse. When the building was completed, lots of office space was left unrented. The apartments failed to sell, and businesses that opened went bankrupt, and so on. Of course, there are plenty of other explanations, such as bad business sense, but the rumors will never disappear. Less supernatural but equally enjoyable is the story of Jerusalem's enchanted roads. There is a road that runs downhill through the Arab neighborhood of Jebel Mukaber. Unfortunately, today it is dangerous to drive there, but during more peaceful times, you could see people drive to a particular spot, put their cars in neutral, and release the brakes, and then watch in amazement as the car appeared to roll uphill against gravity. It's just one of a number of gravity hills in Israel. Places where the surrounding landscapes creates an enjoyable optical illusion. If you enjoy gruesome tales, then the story of the Ministry of Health's district office on Jaffa Road is one that you will enjoy. It was the city's main health care center from 1891 to 1917, but before that, it was empty for 10 years and became known as the Dead Groom's House. The house was built to be the future home of a couple about to be married. However, the groom died before the wedding took place. His bride was brought up to him in full wedding regalia, and the groom's mother performed a traditional pre-wedding dance in front of the couple. Once the dance was over, she transitioned straight into mourning, and the funeral took place. The mother of the groom died shortly after, and it was many years before the house was finished. El Salvador, Belgium. The Sonian Forest is said to be one of the be most beautiful places in Belgium, but visit during a foggy night and you'll discover a different side of the woods. The forest is said to be haunted by the Dogen, also known simply as the eyes. Can you feel them on you? This is one ghost tale you're sure to hear about the campfires of Belgium. Local legend goes that years ago, nuns found the bodies of 80 burned children in the forest. Very little is known about the murders, and many questions if the tale is true. All we know is that locals and tourists alike say they have seen the eyes in the fog. Some even hear the sound of children laughing as they walk through the forest, claiming to see shadowy figures in the distance. The Sonian forest might not be so scary during the day, but when the fog comes in, this forest is definitely one of the scariest places to visit in Brussels. All right, the Czech Republic.
Golem of Prague. One of the city's most popular legends is the story of the Golem of Prague. During the reign of Rudolf II, Rabbi Judah Loau created the Golem to protect the Jewish quarter of the city and its citizens. At, the, at this time, the major of Prague Jewish people were being attacked, and they went about their days in fear. Until the golem came, Rabbi Judah created the golem according to the Kabbalah, which specifically or specified that he made be made of clay from the banks of the Vlatva River. Following a religious ritual, the giant golem was created, only to be awakened by special incantations in Hebrew spoken by his maker. After an incantation, the golem would awake and he would do the bidding only of his maker, which included protecting the Jewish people from the Prague ghetto. Rabbi Judah placed the Hebrew word emet, which means truth, on the golem's forehead. As the golem grew stronger with each incantation, he also grew increasingly violent and started killing people. Some say this was due to a broken heart, but one will never know. Rabbi Judah was then promised that violence against the Jewish population would come to an end if the rabbi would destroy the massive scary golem. Rabbi Judah ended the golem's life by removing the letter E from Emet, changing the word truth to death, thus ending the giant's life. It is said, however, that the rabbi's son brought the golem back to life. Fact or fiction, it's up to you. Have a light night wander through the Jewish quarter and see if you met the world-famous golem. All right. Let's hop over to Chile. The myths and mythologies of Chilo, Chile's most haunted island. Perhaps best known for its lush, rolling hills, green, fertile farmland, and wooden Jesuit crosses, Chiloé is a quaint, albeit eccentric, place that welcomes just a smattering of visitors each year. Isolated from the mainland and no stranger terrain, this dreary and overcast island has a number of terrifying legends which still prevail today. The most famous Chilat or Chilo Mythology surrounds the mysterious Brujos, a coven of male warlocks who live in caves and terrorize the townsfolks for kicks. The Brujos are said to inhabit the region since before Spanish rule, and it wasn't until the nationwide witch hunts of the 1880s that the grisly details of their practice became widely known. In rejection of Spanish Catholicism, the Brujos underwent an intense initiation ceremony, which involved de-baptizing themselves in a waterfall for 40 days before performing a, a pact with the devil. Next, they were forced to slaughter someone close to them and use their skin to sew a bag for their spellbook. Upon completing the initiation, the spellbook enabled them to shapeshift into animals and cast powerful curses. Yet even more horrific are the wretched creatures who were forced to guard the warlock's caves, deformed local children known as the Imbunche. 
According to legend, newborn babies were purchased or stolen by the brujos, then mutilated to serve their needs. Their right legs were broken and twisted over their backs so they would walk on two hands and one foot. Later, their tongues were sliced with a knife to appear like a serpent, rendering them entirely unable to communicate, aside from a series of guttural sounds. The Mbunche were condemned to spend their lives watching over the cave, only permitted to eat when their masters were kind enough to bring raw human flesh from the cemetery. The Brujos also had La Voladora, ones who fly, usually a female relative of a member of the coven. She was forced to drink poison, which made her vomit up her organs, eventually transforming into a black messenger bird. Some older Chalotes still believe blackbirds bring bad luck, a superstition that has persisted through the ages. Another fascinating Chilo legend also serves the, as a convenient alibi for promiscuous men and women. El Traco, the troll, has salacious and seductive breath, which provoked entirely irresistible to young virgin girls, who were led into the woods and promptly impregnated. Back in the old days, El Traco often copped the blame for unwanted pregnancies, although such an excuse doesn't fly so well today. Conversely, El Traco's wife, an ugly troll known as La Fiera, has similarly alluring breath, which she uses to seduce men as she bathes in waterfalls and lagoons. Once lured in her trap, she simply kills them or sends them insane. All right, we go over to Hungary. On the far outskirts of Budapest lies a forgotten cemetery straight out of a horror movie. The tall, imposing stone gates now face an outlying set of train tracks with an eerie silence only broken a few times an hour by a passing train. A knock on the gates results in two large guard dogs rushing to the iron bars, jaws snapping as they attempt to ward off any unwelcome visitors. Inside, the giant walls of the once magnificent cemetery are rows of impressive tombs, of certainly important people of their time. Sogatarjani Ut Cemetery is the oldest Jewish burial ground on the Pest side of the city, but fell into ruins after most of the Jewish population was forced out of the area during World War II. After a short stint as the Soviet military hangout, the forest is slowly trying to take back the land growing around the massive stone and marble burial chambers. Over the years, many tombs have been opened and looted of anything of value. The disturbed and derelict cemetery is sure to have at least a few angered spirits still hanging around, making it a place you do not want to visit after sunset. Turkey. There were several cool stories about Turkey and Istanbul, but I'm going to read the one on Derinkuyu, Cappadocia. There were 36 underground cities in Cappadocia, where the communities of people used to live below the ground for their safety and comfort. There were around 20,000 people who used to live there at some point of time, and used to do various things to earn their livelihood. 
Now the dark corridors of this place echo with the footsteps of yours. It is believed that the archaeologists... Archaeologists... <laughs> I, I mess up that word all the time. Who discovered and ex excavated this place became lost in the long underground passageways, which is a bit thrilling. Some of the tourists who visited Darren Kuyu reported the occurrences of strange shapes and ghostly figures, and some of them have been documented in photos and videos as well. All right, Vietnam. All right, Mada, evil spirits of the drowned. The term Mada might not ring a bell to the younger generation, but most millennials have probably heard our grandparents tell the stories of these vengeful water spirits. As the stories go, Mata are the spirits of drowned victims that appear as bloated corpses with weeds tangled in their hair. They are usually described as having childlike appearance, perhaps because victims of water-related accidents in ancient Vietnam were often children. Due to the ultimately and painful nature of their deaths, Mata are unable to find peace, and the only way they can escape their torment and be reincarnated is to find another to take their place. As such, they lurk underwater to prey upon unsuspecting victims. It is also said that it's very hard to retrieve the body of someone taken by a Mata. Yes, these are most likely just stories that adults make up to warn children not to venture near lakes and rivers unsupervised. But it is true that deaths by drowning are not uncommon in Vietnam, even in big cities such as Hanoi or Saigon. Saigon. In fact, if you walk along the banks of the Red River in Hanoi, you might well, very well come across monks and shamans hired to, by someone to perform rituals to find their own drowned relatives. All right, Switzerland. The Explosive Bog. In other cultures known as the Boogeyman, the Swiss version is called Bog. Back in the day, the symbol for winter and death was a masked character doing mischief and frightening children during carnival season. Today, it appears prominently in the shape of an explosive stuff snowman as part of Zurich's spring festival. Every year, a bog is lit on fire, and popular tradition has it that the time between the lighting of the pyre and the explosion of the bog's head predicts the coming summer. The faster the bog explodes, the warmer and sunnier the summer will be. All right, I think we're in Austria. Friedhof der Neumannlusen, most haunted places in Vienna. Ghost hunters from all over the world make a pilgrimage to the cemetery of the nameless. Apparently, it is one of the most haunted places in Europe. This wouldn't be too surprising considering most of the people buried there encountered their death at the bottom of the Danube. Some of them drowned, some of them were drowned. Visitors claimed to have seen reflections in the gravestones, plaques, and felt a very strange feeling of not being alone. Maybe it's true and the nameless souls cannot rest until their names are known. Sea of Ghosts. Is this beach in Iceland haunted? This is a photo I took in 2015 that still brings back some chilling memories. The beach, while undoubtedly beautiful, is famous for the amount of ships that have wrecked on its treacherous shores. There's also an abandoned Viking village not far from the sand. 
We had been here since the afternoon, shooting, and by sundown there was not another soul on the entire beach. A strong wind had been blowing, and it cleaned up all the sand and erased a few footprints left by visitors that day. After sundown, we went to sleep in our car, hoping to wake up to northern lights in a few hours. When it was about 11 p.m. or so, something woke me up, and I saw a spectacular show of Aurora Borealis dancing across the sky through the windshield. I quickly jumped out of the car, threw on a jacket, and ran out onto the beach with my camera. It was just incredible. After 10 minutes or so, I went back to the car to wake up Matt Dog. The show was spectacular, and we were both excited. So we both ran off in different directions, chasing comps in the dark. I shot this photo and a few others until I set up my tripod in a new spot, not yet knowing what was in front of me. I took a 30-second exposure and waited for it to show up on my screen so I could see the, my surroundings. The photo came up on my screen, and I immediately saw sent chills down my spine. There were big, clearly defined footprints, wet footprints, leading from as far as I could see, all the way right up to where my tripod was, and then stopping there. I turned on my headlamp and looked around me. No other footprints or humans were in sight. I knelt down and looked closely at the massive footprints. They were definitely fresh. Matt Dog walked over to me, and I told him that something crazy had just happened. He said he knew I was going to say that, because he had a creepy feeling the entire night since we had gone to bed. I showed him the photo of the footprints, and he flipped out. He explained that earlier he had not been able to sleep because he felt like someone was standing outside the car watching us. We stuck together to try to take a few more photos, but we started hearing voices being carried around the beach by the wind. A dark, heavy feeling started to weigh us down, so we both ran back to the car and drove out of the area as fast as we could. As soon as we got back to the highway, the heavy, ominous feeling lifted off our shoulders, and we immediately felt better. We drove down the road a bit to another spot and continued to shoot the aurora from there. I've done plenty of night shooting alone, and I've never been a superstitious person or someone that gets scared by dark or ghost stories, but this experience was like nothing else. All right, that was by Eric Bennett, Thailand. There are several that are good for scary stories. I'll talk about May Nock. Nock was a beautiful, pregnant, and truly in love. All was well until her husband was conscripted into the fight in the war. Whilst he was away, May and the baby both passed away in childbirth. The husband returns to find his wife and baby and is warned by the villagers that she's now a ghost. The husband realizes once he sees Nock stretch her arm out to pick something up, and he flees. With Nock and heart hot pursuit, he hides among a ghost-proof plant before heading into a sanctuary of a temple. Nock was exercised twice by monks, confined firmly, firstly to a jar and secondly to a waistband, and it is said that the royal family of Thailand has that waistband today. While Estonians are bracing themselves for several weeks of pre-Christmas gloom this season, some Anglo-Irish cultures are getting ready to observe Halloween. 
As you may have noticed that with winter fast approaching, the Talon nights are getting longer and darker. As the light dwindles, parts of the old town are starting to take on mysterious, somewhat forlorn quality. Radas Gavu, 16, The Devil's Wedding. If you happen to be standing near the so-called Cat's Well on Radaskivu Street, look up in house number 16 and you'll notice something odd. One of the windows on the top floor is bricked up from the inside and has false curtains painted on the inside. In the 15th century, house happened to be the subject of Tillin's most famous ghost legend, a story called The Devil's Wedding. The tale goes like this. Long ago, the landlord of this house, desperate for money and near suicidal with despair, was approached by a mysterious cloaked man who offered a huge sum of money to rent the upstairs flat for a party. The renter's only condition was complete privacy. The landlord readily agreed. During the evening in question, loud noises were heard, as if a hundred guests were tramping up the stairs, and an ungodly racket issued from the room. Precisely at one o'clock, the sound abruptly stopped, as if the party had simply vanished. The next day, the landlord's servant, who had been spying through the keyhole, was found mortally ill. Before dying, the servant claimed to have seen the devil himself having a wedding party in the flat. For centuries, people passing this house late at night have heard unexplained party noises, and they only stopped once a later owner of the flat tired of the complaints, bricked up the window. Raul Remet, one of the owners of Sushi House Restaurant, which used to occupy part of the building, told us a different version of the story, that it was thundering footsteps on the stairs, not party noises, and they were heard through the years. They also said that the window was bricked up for more prosaic legal reasons. However, he did inform us that during the recent extensive remodeling of the building, numerous artifacts were found hidden in the walls, including coins, documents, and in one wall in the back of the restaurant, in what's now the employee's room, human bones. For this article, we managed to visit the apartment behind the bricked up window and found nothing satanic, just a comfy modern living space. All right, that was from In Your Pocket. Venezuela. El Silbon. According to legend, El Silbon is the ghost of a young man who killed his father, stripping his guts for not having brought back the deer guts he was asked for. Rude. Take it easy on Poppy, I'd tell him. But then the story complicates. As retribution, the young man's grandpa orders him to be tied up to a post and whipped his wombs washed with gin. In vindictive fashion, the young boy was tossed into a cage with two rabid and hungry dogs. Then, the grandpa cursed the young boy to carry his father's bones for all eternity. Make whatever Oedipal interpretation you want, but be sure to watch for El Silbon's call. His whistle is described similar to the musical notes Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Si, in that order, rising the pitch until Fa, and then lowering it till Si. If you hear El Silbon's musical whistle from up close, there's no danger. However, if you hear it far away, 
Run to the nearest Chamana. Luxembourg. The Pont du Stirchen Bridge in the Grund is said to be the home of Luxembourg's most terrifying and strangest ghosts, the Stirches Geech. The small medieval stone arch, Pont du Stirchen Footbridge, next to the Abbey de Neumunster in the Grund area of Luxembourg City, was added to the UNESCO World Heritage List in 1994. The bridge is said to be the focal point of one of Luxembourg's most terrifying and strangest ghosts, the Stierches Geesch. The ghost is said to haunt the old parts of Luxembourg City at night. According to what has to be the weirdest ghost myth of Luxembourg, the Stierches Geesch was a heavy drinker before his death and is therefore especially fond of scaring drunkards. It is claimed that he'll sit on the shoulders of inebriated individuals, throw them to the ground, or beat them up. Sometimes he'll appear as a bull, a wolf, a dog, a cat, a hare, or even a piglet. Some claimed they've encountered the Stierches Geech as an empty barrel, and some as horse dung. On occasion, the ghost will present himself as giant holding a massive club, which he'll beat unsuspecting drunks. The myth claims that he would disturb parades and jump in front of horse carriages, causing chaos in the city center during the 17th century. At times, he prevented the monks of the Abbey de Neumunster from calling for evening mass by holding the bells, or he would lie in the street, preventing churchgoers from attending the service or leaving the abbey. A long time ago, an unlucky nightfarer, on his way home from an evening at the Ram Plateau, encountered Stierch's Geech in the form of a barrel. The man saw the container floating down the Alzette River, and thinking it was a bucket, he reached for it. Suddenly, he felt something grabbing him. To his horror, it was the Stierch's Geech, now in the shape of a weird, flavial monster. The ghost put the man on the small, narrow part of the Bachfelsen, where the poor fellow had to sit all night. Any movement would have caused the unfortunate man to fall off the cliff and face certain death. It wasn't until the next day that the terrified and surely slightly embarrassed man could be saved. All right, pretty cool. That was from Lux Times. All right, I ran. The Cannibal Castle in Ardabil. When we talk about the scariest places in Iran, Cannibal Castle stands out. If you talk to old locals in Ardabil, a city in northwest Iran, they tell you a weird story that happened many years ago. Their story starts with a group of people who came to a village near the city and never came back. There is a high stone-made castle in Erdabil, which has lost its shape over these many years, but you can still see the wall's width, which is more than five meters. Old stories say that people who entered this giant building were trapped into the castle, and a paranormal power, as the locals refer to it, imprisons people and draws them into the stones. So no one ever found a small trace of the lost ones inside or outside the castle. All right, we go to Bolivia to the Kaljan. 
Kalejin is located at Plaza Murillo in La Paz. It is one of the old streets of the city, and it was the dwelling place of Pedro Domingo Murillo, a Bolivian hero. The ghost of Murillo has been seen by so many locals and visitors, and it makes frequent appearances at the end of the museum, especially during sunset. It is said that the ghost tries effortlessly to communicate with those that come across it. There's also a phantom of a dead widow who cries nonstop for her late husband. The widow, always clad in black clothing, puts up an innocent face and pleads for help till she gets help from naive visitors, especially men. Everyone that tried to help her by extending a hand vanishes with her and disappeared forever. A green cross was nailed to the end of the museum to ward off evil spirits. It didn't help. Croatia Although Croatia is a small European country, its history is rich with mythology. Some, like the story of the first vampire, Jur Grando, are more known, but there are others that are in threat of extinction. One of them is the tale of the evil mythological creature, the Shorka. The story of Shorka, original title Storka, begins in the southwest region of Croatia, also known as the Croatian Zagorje. In its simplest form, Shorka can be explained as an evil creature with no determined form. Even though evil, its purpose was noble if you look at it from the perspective of an adult. Its preliminary purpose was to scare mischievous children. For example, if the child was playful and would venture into the woods, Shorka would be lurking in the darkness, preventing the child from potentially getting lost. On the other hand, Shorka would often reside in the house and mostly in places where one could get hurt. For example, the attic or in the well. So what could be the consequence if you ignore the warning? It is said that Storka saw you. It would find its way in the darkness, chew your flesh straight to your bone, and finally drag your soul straight to hell, where it would torture you for all eternity. In the end, a child's imagination would do the rest, in constructing his or her worst nightmare and shaping it in the form of a Storka. Puerto Rico. The Gargoyle. The most recent urban legend hitting the streets of Puerto Rico is the gargoyle. In the town of Barceloneta, during the month of August of 2018, some animals were killed and many claimed that they had seen a two-legged creature with a pair of wings that smelled like sulfur and looked like a gargoyle. Many brigades around Barceloneta went out to the forest trying to catch the gargoyle. And our last one of the night is Spain, where we talk about the werewolf of Alariz. Galicia is a region in Spain that outstands among the others in a matter of mysteries and legends. Alariz, a small town in Orense, was witness of terrible crimes at the beginning of the 19th century. Thirteen people disappeared and were murdered in the dark Galician forests. A man called Roma Santa confessed to the murders. He said that when he was a teenager, he was the victim of a family curse that turned him into a werewolf every full moon. 
Since then, he lost his human consciousness, and the animal instinct made him kill and devour the flesh of their victims. He is Spain's first documented serial killer. All right. Thanks for staying with me today. I know it was a long episode, but I got through all of my listener countries. So again, thank you for listening, everybody that has ever listened to my podcast. I am completely grateful for all of you. All right. With that being said, make sure to join the Facebook group at Paranormal Stories, parentheses, Spooky Shiz. It's a great way to connect with me and send me your stories for future episodes. All right. With that being said, stay spooky, my friends.